Lauren, I need a level from you because Gabby was there last. Check, 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 check. Molly, are you ready? I am ready. All right, let's do it. Well, whether you are planning to retire next year or 40 years from now, experts say it is never too early to start savings. For the first time since the 1940s, Americans are reaching retirement in worse financial shape than their parents. Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. It's timeline time. Timeline time? Say that 10 times fast, Merkel. Timeline time. It's time for a timeline. TLT. TLT. (laughs) TLT. Today, we are going to take you through a timeline. The timeline of Lauren Merkel's life. It all started outside of Central City, Iowa. This is going to be a snooze fest. Back (laughs) in 1970-something or other, when a young lad was born. Okay, that's not the timeline we're going to take you through. We're going to take you through the timeline to retirement. So, we're going to walk you through today the things you should be thinking about, the conversations you should be having, the way you should be talking with your retirement planner about retirement based on your retirement timeline. So we'll talk about if you're 10, five or 10 years out from retirement, the conversations you should be having five years from retirement, within a year of retirement, what you should be doing, what you should be talking about. Then we'll talk about when the big day comes, the things you need to be doing, and then one year into retirement. So you guys get the idea. A timeline of retirement is what we're going to be talking about today. But first, we're always watching kind of what's happening in the news, what's going on in Washington, and we talk about it in a segment we like to call Headlines. Yeah, Courtney, that's right. They've now got the votes in the United States Senate to pass the second of two massive spending bills that they are passing today. A new bill just passed by the House could mean big changes for the U.S. retirement system and your wallet. The Senate passed the Setting Every Community Up for Retirement Enhancement, also known as the SECURE Act. This is the biggest retirement bill to be approved since the Pension Protection Act of 2006. The SECURE Act. Lauren Merkel, certified financial planner. The SECURE Act has been something you've been chatting a lot with people about. It's an acronym. Saving every... Setting every community up for retirement enhancement. And I only wanted to say the real acronym to get to what you've affectionately called. What are you calling this acronym now, Lauren? (laughs) What is it, Lauren? Yes, he's used his creative muscles here. Our Our retirement planner has come up with an alternate to the legislation recently passed uh, at the end of 2019 in Washington, went into effect January 1st. It it really does kind of change the game of retirement planning. And Lauren, you no lawmakers didn't consult with you before they passed this one because no, you're, you're not a big sure didn't they should have though they should <laughs> they should have because they should they would have. actually maybe set up every community for retirement enhancement the acronym sounds really good but I, I think it's very misleading and so what I have named the acronym renamed the acronym is seize every cent under retirement earnings act And the big thing about this and what you don't like is how it changes, how IRAs are passed down to someone other than your spouse. That's that's your kind of biggest grievance or or the thing you would have advised lawmakers to handle differently. Well, well, think about where this country is at from. There's there's over 70 
trillion dollars in savings. There's over $29 trillion in retirement savings, and most of that money is held within the baby boomer demographic, which is an aging demographic. 10,000 people retiring every single day. They're going to start using that money for retirement. But that all that $29 trillion or $75 trillion, depending upon which bucket you want to target, is not going to be consumed by that demographic. So when they pass away over the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years, that money is going to be transitioning to their beneficiary. So we, we are about to embark on the probably the world's largest transition of wealth that we've ever seen. And Uncle Sam knows that. And most of that money has not been taxed. And it will be taxed at a much higher rate now because of this act than what it would have been prior to this. And, and you have to spend it a lot quicker than you had to before. You can no longer stretch it out over your life expectancy. 10 years, with, and you have to use the money. With IRAs and 401k plans, we used to the beneficiaries used to be able to stretch it out over their entire life expectancy. Now they have to have it all withdrawn, and which means they have to pay taxes on it within a 10-year period of time. Okay, so lawmakers, though, Rochelle, they're touting this thing as, as something that will help help workers. Yep, <clears throat> that's actually what caught my attention, that the article title is New Law Aims to Help Americans Without Retirement Plans. Will it work? Well, here, here's my thought on this, is to pass this law, and by the way, I think, it's, I think it's important to note, they passed this with the spending bill. This was not a law they just passed by themselves. They had to throw it into the appropriations bill, which they knew was going to be passed, and the bill was going to be passed along with the appropriations bill. So they have to throw some some parts of this legislation in there has to be beneficial because that's what they're touting. That's the, that's the piece of the legislation that they're all talking about is pushing the RMD age from 70 and a half to 72. That's a good thing that will benefit people because now they can, they have another year, year and a half before they have to take required distributions out, meaning an extra period of time that they don't have to pay taxes on their pre-tax money. So that's a good thing. There's some other ancillary benefits that we'll talk about as a part of the bill, but by and large, it is going to be a big revenue grab for Uncle Sam as these accounts are being transitioned from the current employees or owners to their beneficiaries. And Rochelle Smith over here, producer extraordinaire, pulled this headline because it says new law aims to help Americans without retirement plans. But then this, this the journalist who wrote this said, will it work? So they're looking at this, uh, and, and we will have a link to this article in our show notes if you want to read the perspective on this. But basically what they're saying is they're about half of workers, about 50 million workers, do not have access to a employee-sponsored retirement plan. So this new legislation is supposed to kind of help um, small companies pool together to offer these plans. But if you look a little closer, they've tried some of this before and, and it hasn't been effective, Lauren. Well, that's exactly it. And, and this on the surface is not a bad piece of the legislation. I just don't think it's going to be very effective. I don't think it's going to move the needle very much to allow more, more Americans to save for retirement. There, there, there are already multi-employer plans that are available. And I've talked to some local TPAs or third-party administrators. What they do is they administrate the 401k plan. So they are directly involved in the pricing of these, these small business employer plans. And what they're telling me is this is going to have very little impact. In fact, they probably won't even participate in it because there's so much convolution within the legislation and it's not going to really impact the uh, employers and it's not really going to impact the employees all that much. So I, I think this is going to be, again, I think this is just one of those things that, that lawmakers can talk about, but will have very little positive impact on Americans. 
And something lawmakers and pre-retirees and even people, you know, maybe 20 years out from retirement talk about is social security. We hear people say a lot of times, will there be social security left uh, for the rest of us? Also, should they move the social security age? It's, a, I think, a conversation that's been going on as long as you've been doing retirement planning, Lauren. Well, I think we could talk about this probably all day long and still not come up with any real answer. Uh, on this, or certainly an answer that's going to work for everybody. I mean, in 1935, Social Security legislation was first enacted. 1940 was the very first annuity payment that was sent out. And in 1940, the full retirement age benefit was 65. That means that's when workers were eligible to receive their full retirement age benefit. And today, it's between 66 and 67, depending upon what year you were born. So it, that needle hasn't moved all that much over the last 90 years. So there's a lot of talk about should we be moving that needle out, maybe 70, 72, 75, but what is the appropriate age for somebody to receive their full retirement age Social Security benefits? Because uh, there's a lot of people that we know that can't work past 70 right now. There's a lot of people we know that can't work until they're age 75. There's, there's a lot of people that we know can't work past 60. So what is the appropriate age? And you can ask 10 people and probably get 10 different responses. What, yeah. the, the, and the whole article was about what's fair which there's a lot of subjectivity to that. <laughs> Rochelle, in your household, you've got two people at 65. One wants to keep going and one is ready to be done. Yeah. Yeah. My stepdad, he is ready to retire. And my mom, <clears throat> she wants to keep working until she's 70. And, and Well, the cool part about the full retirement age benefit, as it sets today, is you can still work. You can make a million dollars a year and still take your Social Security benefits. So that's not that's not necessarily a bad thing. With the the thing about Social Security though is it's a tax. It's a tax that you cannot get out of. It's a mandatory payment into the system your entire working years. So if you if you pay into the system for forty years, there should be some point within your lifetime that you should be able to withdraw some of this money. And I think that's where the the deeper part of this article goes is what's fair. Should you have to wait until you're age 70, regardless of whether or not you want to work? Should you have to wait until age 70 to start getting a return on all these Social Security taxes that you've been paying for the last 40 to 50 years? Should you have access to it at 65, 66, 67? Well, I mean, what, what really is fair? Yeah, and this article is how to pick a fair Social Security retirement age. It'll be in the show notes. They also take into effect, you know, life expectancy, somehow coming up with a formula of, of disability, who at 65 or what percentage of people can or cannot work. And, and, and again, it's, it's a tough task to pick a fair Social Security Age. And it's going to be so much fun to talk about this for th the next decade or so, because this is a hot topic. People will be talking about where we should move that needle and, and there'll be a lot of debate about it. Something people maybe don't debate or maybe they do is their retirement timeline. You might be sitting listening right now and know when that day is. You might have the year, the month, the day marked and know, know what your timeline looks like. Or maybe you've already retired. For other people, I think it's probably something they've got maybe a general idea about. But either way, you're on some kind of a timeline. You've worked for 30 or 40, maybe even 50 years. And retirement is something that you've got coming up for you and something you've circled. So in a perfect world, it would be that simple, Lauren. I would just circle the date. Boom. There it is. Say adios. Take my box of goodies with me and head out. It felt like maybe 20, 30 years ago wasn't all that different from picking your date, take your corporate pension, take your social security when you're eligible and live, live the rest of your retirement life. 
in a, in a very content way. And today it's not that way. Today there are so many more moving parts. You have up to 81 different options with Social Security alone. Most people, about 85% uh, of people in America, don't have access to a corporate pension. So you're very much in charge of providing your own retirement income from the savings that you've accumulated over, over your working career. So it's, it's a much different, uh, much different scenario that people are going through now retiring than what they were 30 years ago. Okay. Let's start the timeline, Lauren, about 10 years out from retirement. If that's you, uh, right now, what should you be doing 10 years out from retirement to retirement to kind of look at where you sit and, and maybe really get honed in on what that retirement date is? Well, I, I think one of the most overlooked parts is what is, what's your retirement vision? You know, what, what are some of the things that you really want to do from a lifestyle standpoint when you do retire? And I, I would make a list, make a list. And, and the, Part of the, the interesting part of this is if you write down 10 things of, of what would include be included within your retirement vision, by the time you get to retirement, you might have two or three of those 10 things still on, on the list. But it's still a very valuable exercise to go to go through because what it is that you want your lifestyle to look like will impact what you need to do from a savings standpoint. It'll impact the income portion of your plan. It could impact the tax planning piece of it. And it could impact your overall health once you get to retirement. Because one of, one of the things that you want to avoid once you do retire is just to sit around the house and not be actively engaged in life anymore. And one, one, of, the thing, one of the challenges that, that retirees have is their, their social circles do shrink. As, as people age, their social circles shrink. And it's, it's, a, it's a challenge for a lot of people. So what, what's the retirement vision look like? Uh, make a list of it and that list will evolve as you evolve and you get closer to retirement, but it's an important part of the exercise. Do you feel that, you know, you've been doing this for about 20 years, helping people retire when people come to you and say, here's my retirement vision. It does it, do they sometimes have too much of a pie in the sky thing going on and you have to put it to numbers and say, okay, great vision, but here's how we need to pare it down. Or do you find a lot of times that people's vision really does kind of fit with the, with their portfolio? Most of the time it does fit. And, and that could be surprising to a lot of people, but most of the time it's not a exercise of us saying, Hey, we got to pare this down a little bit. It's it, it, And most of the time people come to us and they want to maintain the same life that they've, they've grown to expect. And that doesn't change. So they might want to take one or two extra trips because now they have the luxury of time. Uh, they might want to spend more time with their grandkids. Uh, there's, there's, maybe they want to go south for the winter or they want to go to some place that's much warmer than Iowa during the winter. So there's, there's some things like that that could be different than what they're doing right now. But most of the time, their retirement vision fits very well within the resource that they've, they've collected all, over all the years. So we're talking about people who are about 10 years out from retirement. So clearly they're still working. We're talking about the retirement timeline. So what can they be doing in those 10 years as far as that savings and, 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 you know, really beefing up that portfolio as they get ready for retirement? What we've always been told as far as savings is concerned is just put money away, put money away, put 10%. It used to be 10%, then it went to 15%. And now people are saying put 20% of your, wow, I got to put more away. Me too. (laughs) Rochelle, wasn't there an article a couple months ago? What was the article that said that do you remember is like 40 percent oh yeah millennials because of their student loan debt and some yeah Yeah, i think it was 40 percent. yeah so that number keeps changing 
But that's what we've always been told. It's been focused on just put this percentage away, whatever the percentage that is. And then eventually one day when you get to retirement, things are going to be fine. Well, with, when you're within 10 years of retiring, now is a great time to start assessing what kind of tax diversification you have. Do you have the bulk or all of your money, retirement money, underneath pre-tax accounts? If, if you do, that could present a spendable income challenge for you in retirement. So this is a great time to assess what kind of tax diversification, if any, you have and really create a tax diversification plan to determine how do you get more money from the pre-tax to the Roth, which is grow, grows tax-free, or maybe a non-qualified account, which does have some tax favor status as well. So one of, one of the big things after the retirement vision is, is assess your tax diversification. And you always recommend, uh, I think, several times throughout the timeline of retirement that people take a look at their beneficiaries, make sure everything's titled correctly. Every single one of these phases we talk about, we're going to talk about the beneficiary titling because you just never know. You just you just never know when the last day is going to come. And when that last day comes, you want your your wishes to be fulfilled uh, in, in the most efficient way possible. And we see mistakes on the titling of accounts, the beneficiary designations all the time. Doing it the correct way does not have to be that hard. It's just missed a lot. And it has big ramifications when, when, uh, when people do pass. Okay, let's move the timeline now to five years out from retirement. It's getting closer. Can you guys feel it? Five I can years. feel it. You're five years out from retirement. You're getting excited. Five more years. Okay, looking at your employee plan is probably a big part of this. You want to, if you, especially if you're turning 59 and a half, that's a big half birthday that for some people they, they should celebrate. Well, they should celebrate it because now they have access to taking control over what is probably the majority of their retirement money. Most people's retirement savings, the majority of it is within their employer plan. And once you're 59 and a half, most employers today do allow you to roll that money into your own account, into your own IRA. And the, advantage, the advantages that that presents to you is now you do not have to worry about what your employer does with their plan. If they change custodians, if they go from Fidelity to Vanguard, if they change the investment options, if they increase the, the price, the fees in, in the 401k plan, all of that is not going to be impacted, is not going to impact the money that you have in your IRA. Underneath the IRA, you also have much more control over the types of investments you have. You're no longer just tied to the 10, 15 different investments that's underneath the employer plan. You literally have the entire universe of investment options that you can select from. So you have a lot better way of creating a more diverse account as far as the investment options that you have and then also controlling the fees underneath your account as well. Is there a limit to how much money you can do in a one-time rollover into an IRA? 59 and a half in service withdrawal, it's going to be determined by the plan. So there's a lot of plans that say you can sweep the entire account out. There's going to be some plans that say you can only take your contributions out and the employer contributions have to stay underneath the plan. So that's going to all be dictated by that individual plan. So Lauren, we're talking about the timeline of retirement today and we're talking about about five years out from retirement when do you actually say this is the date and get serious about putting that on your calendar? Sometimes it happens the day before. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's, it's kind, sure. It, it's kind of odd because within this five-year range, this is when retiring gets really real for, for pre-retirees. And some people, and I'm not, what I'm not saying by sometimes it's the day before is they don't have a plan in place. What I'm saying is that this plan... They might just keep pushing it out. 
keep pushing it out. So they, their target date was to retire January 1st of 2020. Well, December 1st of 2019 rolls around. They, they just decide they're not ready for whatever reason. There's a multitude of reasons. They're just not ready. So some people just take it month by month. Some people take it quarter by quarter. Some people take it year by year and then just push it out another year. The, the important part is you have the plan in place. So you, if you do decide that if you wanted to retire January 1st of 2020, that in January 1st rolls around and you're not ready, that you're driving to work because you want to, not because you think you have to. And sometimes that can extend people's working careers because they know they're working for themselves and they're working for other reasons besides they, they, they have to earn more money to save for retirement. So within this five-year time frame, there's, there's, there's really trying to dial in on that retirement date. That magical date can be an important thing. But also, no, don't put so much pressure on yourself that if – if that date keeps changing, that's okay, right? As long as it's changing for the right reasons, which is you're just not ready, um, but but you're financially you're ready, then th- th- sometimes the pressure can become too much. So try not to feel so much anxiety and pressure around a specific date. Retire when you're ready, and, and you're going to know it. You're going to know it's going to feel good. It's going to feel right. And then when it does feel good and feel right, as long as you have the plan in place, then that's when you can pull the trigger. Another thing to dial in on could really be that risk uh, risk tolerance or risk factor within your portfolio. Investment risk, when we talk about retirement planning and income, driving income from a portfolio is really important because the amount of risk or how your portfolio reacts when the market goes up and when the market goes down could impact how much income you're going to receive from your different investments. So making sure you have a really solid, steady, dependable income plan in place within this time horizon is really important because what we were just talking about is what if you prolong your retire or prolong your working years? What if something happens and you have to retire sooner than what you you initially wanted? So your date was January 1st, 2020, but something happened and you had to retire January 1st of 2019 but you didn't have your risk allocated correctly. And we went through a a fourth quarter of 2018 where the markets were down over 10%, but you needed income. And now you have to take income from from accounts that are down. That just exasperates those losses in the accounts. So within this five-year time horizon, we really need to revise and make sure that your income bucket strategy is set up in a way where if you have to retire within a couple of years, you can take money out to do the things that you need to do from a lifestyle standpoint, but your investments aren't going to be negatively impacted regardless of what happens to the markets. And I think whether it's 10 years out, five years out, a year out, or in retirement, you cannot forget about the healthcare long-term care piece. Yeah, the, the health care piece uh, from a retirement standpoint, there's a lot of people that want to retire prior to 65, but the health care piece is keeping them from retiring prior to 65. 65 is when you're eligible for Medicare. So if, if you're approaching Medicare age, now you need to make the decision if you're still working, do you take Medicare Part A, do you take Medicare Part B, or do you stay on your qualified group plan? Uh, or do you stay, or do you do both? Do you do a combination of Medicare A and your group plan? So those types of decisions need to be made. If you want to retire prior to 65, now you have to figure out how you're going to cover that gap. How are you going to cover that gap between when you do retire and when you're eligible for Medicare? And that's why 63 and a half, talking about half birthdays, 63 and a half has been very uh, popular from a retirement standpoint because people can take COBRA 
from 63 and a half to 65 and it's it's a lot more economical than just going to the open market and purchasing healthcare insurance okay we're moving along the timeline retirement timeline rochelle how far out are we now we're within one year oh, of retirement. baby we're within close. <laughs> within one year of retirement it's so exciting social security it's probably time to start thinking about how you're going to elect social security because as you said lauren if you are married you could have up to 81 different options on kind of exactly how to how to do this which it, which is why we've been thinking about when we want to take social security throughout these these all all of these phases so within 10 years out we already have a basic plan in place based on all the factors we know within five years out we're kind of refining it based on more factors you know what's your true health status what's your life expectancy based on that but now we're getting to the retirement point right we're one within one year out we need some income within 12 month period of time are we going to take it from Social Security? Are we going to continue a delayed Social Security strategy and maybe use a maximization strategy? You know, all of these things are things that we really need to hone in now. And there's a lot of factors that are going to influence when we take Social Security. It's going to be, are you married? Are you single? Do you want to work part-time? If you work part-time, how much money do you plan on making part-time? Your, your health status, life expectancy, all of these different things are going to go into that type of decision. How much cash flow do you need? And how much investment savings do you have? Right, there's a lot of factors that influence it, but it's important to understand you, do, you might have up to 81 different options, so it's not something that you just want to uh, do a quick assessment or a, a quick uh, break-even age calculation and say, this is going to be my Social Security decision because it's permanent. And once you select your Social Security decision, after 12 months, you cannot change it. You cannot go back and, and have a redo. So it's an important decision. And for many retirees, many married couples, it could represent 800000 over a million dollars of lifetime benefit. It's a huge portfolio for, for many couples. So it's something that we want to take serious and make sure we get right. I can't believe we're 26 minutes into this retirement conversation. And I don't think I've said the word income yet. Have you said the word income? I have. Social security income. I have. But you have to think about income in a different way when you're you're out for retirement. You, you have to think about when the W-2 wages go away, what does income look like? And this is when people really start to feel the pressure and they, they really start to identify what what they want their retirement to their retirement vision really to look like. What's their lifestyle plan? Uh, do they want to start doing some traveling? Is it going to be spending more time uh, babysitting the grandkids? Is it going to, I mean, all, all these things are really becoming real for, for people right now. And then, of course, how are you going to afford it? And that's why we start to really refine the income plan. How much money do you need? And that's a big question. Do you need $5,000 a month? Is it going to be $10,000 a month to do the things that you want to do? And then from there, we can really refine. Here's the different sources that we're going to take it from. Is it going to be more heavily withdrawn from the investable assets? Are we going to more rely on Social Security, maybe a pension? Uh, and we're going to really refine the short-term income plan, but that's also going to have a direct impact on where we're going to take income five years in retirement, 
10 years in retirement. So we're going to have some refinements along those lines as well. And if you're one of those 15% or so of Americans who have a pension, you need to look at what that pension payout looks like or payment looks like. Yeah. The thing with, with the pensions is there's so many options right now. 30 years ago, you had maybe a handful of options. Now you have a, you have many, you might have as many as 10 different options. And one of the big options that most people are considering is do you take the annuity payment underneath the pension? which means that that company or that pension plan needs to be able to basically guarantee you a lifetime income. So guarantee you that $2,000, $5,000 a month income for as long as you're alive, maybe even as long as your spouse is alive, depending upon what option you choose. Or are you going to take a lump sum? So instead of taking the $5,000 a month, are you going to take an $800,000 lump sum? Right? Those are the, the options that you really need to weigh through. And it's not a one-size-fits-all. Some pension plans, like IPERS, for an example, IPERS is the, the Iowa State pension plan. It is one of the best pension plans in, uh, available throughout the, the state of Iowa. So most people are not going to want to take the lump sum option. They're going to want to take the annuity payment. But then there's some corporate pension plans out there that most people want to take the lump sum and, uh, and avoid the annuity payment because the payout, the annuity payout is not as good as what you could get with, a, with another pension. Okay, Rochelle, guess what? What? Cue the party music. I think we're retiring now. I think. I, I think just so. it's, it's time to throw the retirement party. My brain is hearing cool in the gang. I'm not sure what Rochelle's is hearing. She'll have the final say, but. In your head is a disco ball going on right now. Wow. Oh, that's hot. Took a while to get there, didn't it? Yep. All right. Cool in the gang has played. The confetti has dropped. The cake has been cut. You are retired. But you don't just get to go on autopilot. Well, you get to go on autopilot, but your retirement planner, the team that you've entrusted to help you really celebrate and get to and through retirement still has some work to do. And there are probably still some conversations you want to be having with your retirement planner. You don't just set it and forget it. About a year into retirement, Lauren, there's some stuff that uh, that needs to happen. When you're retired, unfortunately... Again, now cue the sad music. Oh, I just went, my emotions are like a roller coaster today. Cue the sad music because you still have to pay taxes. Still have to pay taxes. And this is, from a lifestyle standpoint, this is when, you know, it's, it's a transition. You work for 40 years. You get up every every weekday morning and go to work. I mean, you develop a routine. You, it's, for many people, it becomes their sense of purpose, right, their identity. And now they, they stop. And it's a transition to get them... Uh, fully engaged in what their retirement vision is going to look like. Uh, taxes and the health status part of it, all of that is a part of this this transition. So the planning can't stop. The party started, <laughs> but the planning cannot stop. And there's, from a tax standpoint, you know, you're going to take income. So are you taking income from Social Security? Social Security income is tax favored. Are you taking it from pre-tax accounts? Did you do a good job of creating tax diversification? So now you can take some money, some income from the pre-tax accounts, some money from the Roth to decrease your your spendable uh, or your taxable income, increase your spendable income. Or does your first full calendar year after you retire represent a really good opportunity to now create that tax diversification you weren't able to when you were working. And for many of our retirees, this is what we're doing that first year from a tax planning standpoint is saying now, because your taxable income, the W-2 income has gone away, you have social security, which is tax favored. 
and you don't need as much gross income to deliver the lifestyle that you need. Now let's start converting over. So taking some pre-tax monies out of the pre-tax accounts, shifting it over to the Roth accounts, paying a lower, lower effective tax rate on that conversion and is setting them up five years, 10 years from now to, to really deliver an income from multiple sources that can increase their spendable income. The planning can't stop. The planning for many people, that especially from a tax planning standpoint, is just getting started. Okay, five to ten years in retirement. You've been having fun. You've been been doing all the things you didn't get around to during the working year. So we don't want to downplay the fun. But there's some serious conversations probably five to ten years in that if you haven't had yet, you need to start having uh, with your retirement plan or see how it fits. And I would think two of those, Lauren, are legacy planning and then that long-term care piece. On the legacy plan, what needs to happen? This, this is where retirees are really settled in. They have a really good feel of what it's going to take on a monthly, yearly basis to do the things that they want to do. They're starting to feel really comfortable about not outliving their money, right? And they just feel really good about their retirement plan as they put it together. So they're starting to think a little bit more about gifting strategies while they're alive. Do they want to start gifting money to their grandkids to help them go through college? Do they want to start gifting money to their kids to help them uh, buy the dream home that they wanted to buy? Do they want to start gifting money to their favorite charities that maybe they didn't feel comfortable gifting those types of dollar amounts before? I mean, there's there's a there's a there's an ease that has settled in from a financial standpoint that now their mind starts wondering of what what are all the other good things they can do with this money and enjoy giving it while they're alive. And that's where the revision of the legacy plan really comes in. And, and again, this is just a, a, t a tweaking of what that plan is. And maybe they're not doing anything. Maybe they're just reconfirming what they've always wanted to do. It's a little bit different for everybody, but definitely a, a second look or maybe at this point a third or fourth look at what their legacy plan is, is important. And another thing that a lot of people say to you, uh, when you have to have some of those tough decisions is I just want to make sure my spouse is taken care of. We, we, yeah, that's probably the number one concern that we hear all the time is no matter what, my number one concern is if something happens to me, I want to make sure my spouse is taken care of. And the, and the thing with the plan is we can really easily model that. And, and when, we, when we model that and both people can see what it looks like if they pass first, what, what their spouse's life looks like without them from a financial standpoint, uh, it, it, if the plan is constructed well, it puts them both at ease. And that's, uh, that's a very cool thing to, to witness. Sure. When you put it into numbers, again, we know there's emotions involved with these things, but sometimes just to see it, you know, written out in numbers, what it's going to look like can be valuable. It's part of the effectiveness of having the plan in writing is, is it's a very visual experience where, where everybody involved can see if this happens, here's what happens from a financial standpoint. If this happens, here's what happens from, from a financial st standpoint. Here's the, the true impact. And uh, the calming effect is pretty pretty cool to see. We've got a good resource on our website. It's MerkelPlan.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E Plan.com. It's five things to know before you retire. You click right on there and you can download that, print it, look at it on your phone, whatever you like to do. And it's a little bit more in depth on the things that we've been talking about here today on our podcast, Retiring Today. A couple of other resources I want to let you know about our YouTube channel. There you can see video clips of some of the things we're talking about and some of the things we didn't talk about today when it comes to retirement, women in retirement, more on the SECURE Act. We talk with an estate planner. We talk with a tax planner. We've got a lot of great information on our YouTube channel. What is it, Merkel? Merkel Retirement Planning. YouTube.com. <laughs>
Ah, there it is. So those are some good resources. This is our podcast, Retiring Today, and we thank you for listening. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. See you next week, people. (laughs) See you next week.